Hello. 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 And welcome back to the podcast Industry Tactics. Hiya. I'm your host, Friendly Rich, and it's an honor to be back with you here today. I took a visit out to the island in Toronto to visit Benjamin Hackman at his place. He's the brains behind the Holy Gasp, and we have a great chat talking about a new recording uh, that he's just finished and working on releasing, and uh, we actually catch a glimpse into one of the first singles from that recording in this chat. He talks about, uh, well... The intense ride he took in making this record. So sit back and prepare to be dazzled. This is my talk with Benjamin Hackman of The Holy Gasp. sound nice okay so here we are i'm on the island i'm on the toronto island for the first time well i've been to the island but only centerville um we're immersed here we took a bridge we took a ferry i'm in the living room of a of benjamin hackman the holy gasp the holy ghost bless his name welcome let's just do a little test oh hello hey hi there yeah you sound good you sound good you sound clean takes one to no one thank you thank you uh good vocal technique he's getting comfortable on his own sofa yeah he's taking the wallet out of the back of the arse he's a back of the arse wallet kind of guy where do you keep your wallet back of the arse or the front pocket now lately is it the back what's the front of the arse Good question. That's the, I guess the that's, inner, the, the, that's the penis. The thigh. No, the thigh is the front of the arse. Go higher. It's the hip. Yeah, I guess you're right. Hey, listen. I'm ready. Um, welcome to Industry Tactics. You've been hot on my list to. So when you reached out and said, "Let's do this. Let's talk," I, I'm delighted to be connecting with you in this way. Well, the pleasure's all mine, Rich. I wanted to hit record on the ferry ride over here, but we've been enjoying ourselves, catching up, talking about all kinds of things, historical and, and nonsensical, bagelical, bagels. Bagelical. Yeah. Bagelical, yeah. Not to be confused with Hegelian. It's Bagelian. Let's keep our focus. Where do you come from? What Are you a Torontonian? Yeah, I'm a suburbanite of Toronto. I'm from Thornhill, but, uh, you know, I pretty much grew up in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. You, you are a fascinating human. We know each other. We're connected through Shamu James McElhaney. He connected us. Is that what you call him, Shamu? Yeah, Seamus is his name. Is. Oh, so it becomes Shamu. It became Shamu, but, but we are connected via him, eh? That's when I came across you. You showed up one night to some venue, and you look very... You're one of a kind. You're, it's a solid look. Look him up on the uh, Twitter 
we posted a photo of him and I he can't take a bad photo it's a solid look you have you know I I appreciate that you feel that my look is solid um, but I actually I discovered you because the lollipop people were playing on on Bloor in front of the Transac I don't know what the festival was but I was okay. living like right there and I was walking all of a sudden I was like who's this fucking guy with a trombone player this is crazy stuff Huh. And then okay. I and then I dug around and figured out who you were. Ah, yeah. Okay, okay. But then James James put the uh, lovely pieces to together. hear. Lovely to hear, man. I'm um honored to be connected and to call you musical family. You know, you you do a pretty inspiring, strange thing on stage, and it's it's weird because your chair. You know, the the few times I've seen you live, you you're 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 scary. <laughs> You know, you 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 bring it, and I love it. But it's a, uh, it's intense, eh? Hmm. It really is intense. All of your output to date that I've heard, especially the new record, which is very exciting. We're gonna play some of it. Uh, is really well thought. Yeah, it's a slow. It's a slow burn. It is. You guys hearing that? like a dithering you those of you not in the industry won't know what I'm talking about but I'm hearing some ejaculatory dithering on this fucking handicam is it the fire okay hopefully we're okay um all right so the new record whose name shall not be named we won't we're, you were serious we're not gonna we're, you want me to edit that out yeah, right? yeah okay yeah okay good 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 um so the new record, though, can we play bits of it? You can play B-Wave. What's that? It's the single that's coming out November 3rd. Okay. I think it's even coming out a little bit earlier. Okay. Now. Great. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. But it's... it's Back to it, though. I want to I wanna get into that. Like, that record is intense. Every, but everything you do, like, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of... Um, where where do I begin? Where how to, how to crack the skull? And it's a beautiful skull of Benjamin Hackman. Where where, where does it kind of come from? Like what what got you addicted to this business of, of music making and, and creation? I don't know. You know, I was always pretty musical. Mm -hmm. I, I uh, there's this kid Sam Chown. He's my age. He's got like he's literally my age. He's got the exact same birthday, exact same year. Chown, Sam Chown, C H O W N. He's he was he's from okay. Toronto, but he, now he's based in Austin. Oh yeah, he's got a, a solo project called Shmoo, and he's got this duo that he's in called Zorch. Anyways, yeah. he was like the first guy I ever met at camp who had like written songs, and he just like he showed up to camp. He was like eight or nine. He was like check out all these songs. And then, like, I'd play bongos to his songs, and he's, like, a terrific drummer. Like, okay. truly, truly, truly an inspired drummer. Uh-huh. And uh, so I saw him just write songs, and I went, oh, okay, I'll do that. So I just copied what he did, and then, you know, I always composed, like, on my lap, just using, like, bongos and congas and things like that, because that's what I saw him do, and I didn't play guitar or piano or anything. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just watched him. That's what I did. 
So when you were that old, like uh, yeah, I was writing that? songs from like eight or nine. I always wrote songs, wow. and then I stopped for like I did a whole bunch of musical theater. Uh-huh. So I studied like singing and dancing and acting and all that. Huh. And then I got totally into drums, and I cut a mohawk, and I stopped acting because I was going on like I was doing like movies and stuff in like grade five and six. Uh-huh. But then I was like, "Fuck that! I'm going to be punk for a while." Uh-huh. So then I did that, and I just studied drums like really, really, really intently. Uh-huh. And then I got into poetry, and I went to school for creative writing, and I was a poet for like I don't know seven, eight years, and then I wrote a book, and I couldn't get it published. And then I got discouraged, so then I just like went back to the beginning and started writing songs on bongos again, and then that's how the Holy Gasp came together. So the Holy Gasp is like your first kind of. How long have you been doing that project? Well, I guess like under that name, like that's when you. So when you came back to it, you're like the in, Holy Gasp. In 2011, uh-huh. I put out a record, which is the Holy Gasp, and it's totally solo but I totally like took it out of circulation because it's kind of like a proof of concept record, really. All right. And then I toured as like just a one-man conga act. So there's like like 10 tracks that are just me and congas with like a little bit of auxiliary percussion. But then I met Sebastian in 2013 and I was like, I'm fucking sick of just congas because I got a lot of sounds in my head. And he's like... Evidently. He's a genius. So I just kept like singing him, be like, "Can guitars do this? Can violins do that?" And like he was like, "No problem," and he made it all work. Yep, there is a muscle, especially on this new record, being flexed. That's uh, that's quite uh, just inspiring. That I feel like I understand. Like listening to it, I'm like, "Uh huh." Sometimes I I think with your work, it's like those are the voice, and this is great those are the voices in my head I'm like yeah (laughs) yes that's a nice feeling you know it's nice to and it's scary and it's scary and and you're and you there is an element of what you do that I that I find I I don't know I just find it intimidating but you're like this this is interesting about and I love this in, in, in in certain friends that I have it's like not having this conversation, not knowing who you are, if I would have just seen you live on stage, fucking terrifying, right? It's like a brutal truth show or something. It's like, it's it, very... Is it fear or is it intimidation? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I classify it as all the same. So you meet Sebastian in 2013, but let's back up to 2011 for just a sec because I'm <laughs> fascinated at, at the idea and kind of need to... I'll send you a private language. <laughs> kind of need to tap into that again and, and, and maybe see that as an element of what you do. Would you ever go back to that? Like you and a set of, uh, what do you call those, bongos? Conga. Congos. Con- well, the congas. Congo? Conga. You and a set of congo drums. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just like... That's a- fucked. That's a fucked up image. And you doing songs... Microphone, yeah. Set of conga, set of congas, yeah. Sick. Well, I mean, beautiful and it charming. sounds very novel when you when you say it out loud. Mm-hmm. But then you stop for a second and go, "Oh, two songs in, I might be a, a little uh, hungry for something else." I think I don't know. I don't know. People liked it. Yeah. I mean, I think people liked it. People were amused by it. I would get you know compliments from it. But yeah. there's also a small potatoes act in those days. But what I want to say is, it yeah. sounds novel, but mm-hmm. it's like it's that it's the origins of music. 
I'm not like the first guy to sing with a drum. Like that's as traditional as it gets. Mm -hmm. That's just traditional folk music. Mm -hmm. I might have like added a layer of, you know, Americana folk and jazz mm -hmm. on top of it and like made it my own mm -hmm. thing, mm -hmm. but it's really not as novel as it should sound. Yeah. It's just eccentric. Yeah. Like yeah today's yeah. standards. Yeah. Sure. But it, Thanks. It, it, bored, Thanks. it bored me. You know, that's like that. It did, eh? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that it bored me. It's that I, I, it was very clear that I had done everything I could do and wanted to do with that restraint. And mm -hmm. that restraint was based on, uh, I was feeling like a failed poet, but I still had poetry in me. How old and are you at this time around? Like what? 2011. I'm just back from Laskiti Island. So I'm like, I don't know, 1986. So 2011, okay. fans can do the math. Yeah, so you're, you're 43 I, at this I, point. I've just come back from living on a different island in BC for like a year. And in that time, the band that I was in, like my childhood band, had like mm -hmm. fizzled off. And I wanted to do some musical, and I wanted to do something poetic, and I wanted to do it on my terms. Okay. And I, I uh, financed these solid shell, beautiful Lenge congas from Lana McQuaid. It took me like 18 months to pay it off. Okay. And I just fell in love with the congas, and I got them, and I just started composing on it right away. Mm. Wow. You kind of hit your stride with that, eh? Like, it's it's grown and now morphed into this thing. Yeah, and now it's like, you know, I think the new record maybe has congas on, like, three songs. Yeah. So it's, like, yeah. straight quite a bit from yeah. that kind of thing. Let's play uh, the single. Let's do it. Beat Wave. Tell me why. 
we're sitting down on the island on Toronto Island, the first uh, podcast of industry tactics on the island with Benjamin Hackman, co-leader, shall I say, of the Holy Gasp. You and Sebastian, yeah. this is really a, a and thing, the great eh? Sebastian Shinwell. Shinwell, yeah. Shout out to uh, to Shout Shinny. Shout out to Sebby Bebby Pussycat. Yes, nice, nice. Um. I miss him. He's in London right now. Yeah, he'll be back in a week or so. Yeah, and then and then the uh, the promo and the release and the tour begins. Eh? Yeah, that, tour that's begins. you're going to be on a mission here. Who's in the band right now? Who, who, who do you got playing with? On you? this tour, yeah, we got me and Seb uh, on drums. We got Justin Hahn. Oh yeah. On bass, we've got the great Bennett Young. Okay. Uh, wow. And on organ and keys, we've got Joseph Organ. Okay. And a great, great winds player, a young guy by the name of Ben McCarroll Butler. He'll be playing the saxophones and flute. This kid can really, really play. Right on, right on. You've got a nice family that you're growing on that end, eh? Of of musicians that, like, I I mean, all the people that, that I saw the video, the, the trailer for the record, and all the people that are playing on that record, amazing. Like just yeah, you really pulled together. Uh, how many musicians play on it in total? Do you know? Like it's a it's, good handful. It's uh, it's, a good it's, it's eighteen <laughs> artists. Wow! But they're playing the parts of twenty six. So if we did it live, we'd have to do it with twenty six people. Okay. If we wanted to do it true to the record, but okay. on this tour, we're just yeah. we're just going yeah. as a six. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good. And you you uh, you really map this thing out. This, oh, this to- record this it's record totally scored it's yeah. totally scored and um except for people's solos but yeah and the and the uh you recorded it where here on the island yeah yeah Gibraltar? we recorded it at gas station studios okay. which is at artscape gibraltar point yeah in dale morningstar okay Great. Yeah. You know Great. Dale? Oh, yeah, you know sure. Dale, because the dinner was sure. ruined and uh, yeah. Friendly Rich, yeah. Molly Popular Plane. Yeah. Yeah, so Dale recorded it. It was mixed by a fellow by the name of Craig Saltz. Okay. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I think it's a. Like all your work, it's very inspiring, and, and it's a. I, 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 I wish it the very best. I think it's a very important what you're doing where so where does it come from what i don't know man well obviously this new record i i know the themes that you're you're dealing with are serious i didn't i didn't know what we were going to be talking about here you know and then uh, a few days ago i i i sit in and what and look at that uh trailer that you sent me mm-hmm. you, can you talk about the the themes on that record uh, your father, your father yeah. passing, like it's heavy stuff, man. You know, it's like just a whole bunch of shit happened at once. Like my dad died, mm-hmm. then my wife and I broke up, mm-hmm. then my therapist died, uh, and then like my oldest friend hanged himself, and it was all within like a year and a half. It just happened like really fast, mm. and uh, unreal. Yeah. So I freaked out. I moved to an island and wrote a lot because that helps, you know. Yeah, yeah. It does it ever? So that it's all over it. It's like it's wow. Yeah. So when you're listening, dear listener, this is the backdrop, eh, of you kind of dealing with all that in the span of how long was that? What was the process of of making that record? It seems like you guys were at it for uh, well, quite a. It was a big chunk of time. It seemed. 
Was it? Like the top to bottom? It was a huge... It's hard to, like, really quantify. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, like, I had a whole bunch of top line ready to go. Mm -hmm. Then a lot of the lyrics... You know, when you... Hold my place. I promise I'm going to get us back here. Okay. But hold it in case... He's got the focus. You're driving, you're driving. When you write a lot of, like, poetry or or, or lyrics, and you use yourself as a subject, after, like, ten years, you can do, like, retrospectives on yourself. Like, Uh just for yourself. Uh So you get to, like, really see where you were and how you've grown not only as an artist, but how you've grown as, like, a thinker Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. as, like, a maturing adult. Mm -hmm. And, like, someone who can process their emotions, someone who can process the world. And you get to, like, see the evolution of that. But a lot of it's also, like, uh, you see how much of your own writing can be a premonition of what's to come. Because when you're doing it right, you let the unconscious speak. Mm -hmm. And then it makes sense, but you can't articulate why it makes sense. And then two years later, you look back at it and you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And it like reveals something brand new to you. And I don't mean in in this like shrouded, uh, uh, cryptic way where it's Mm -hmm. an impenetrable way for a listener or a reader to understand it. I mean, like, I actually think a reader or listener might be able to grasp something that even I can't grasp until like a year or two has passed. So half the lyrics on the record, they're like during the marriage, they're like, wow, my dad's dying. And then the other half is like finishing those with new information or mm-hmm. like uh, new experiences and new processes of mourning mm-hmm. those losses. So like the big stuff happens when I get to Artscape in like June of 2016. Mm-hmm. And then Seb joins me around like august september october and orchestrates the fuck out of it and then we go into studio like end of october early november and then we mixed it until like we mixed it for months yep yeah i think we're good i think we're good yep wow 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 you uh yeah i feel like the work that you you know, I said that kind of meticulous approach to what you do. It, like, it, I uh, I felt like I was, like, just giving it... I've given it one listen. I wanted to just make sure I got through it fully before we sat, you know, which I don't do all the time, but I thought it was important <laughs> given that you, you... Well, you made the effort to share it, which I thought was great, and I hear it. Like, it was like I expected that in a way I don't know if that makes sense but it's like certain artists that I know and and love and respect I'm like yep this is well thought this is really well like there's I don't know man it it felt like it all came together it was it's a it's a bit of a mosaic it's a bit of a puzzle the way you've kind of constructed it even just following you on Instagram as you were kind of going through it I was like Jesus look at the fucking grids these people have going like <laughs> and don't worry like I, I get like I, I got my I got my way of getting it out too but it, it, it sure fuck ain't that what were those grids like you motherfuckers were getting like granular on the whole process of recording that record the grids were just to keep track of uh, what instruments are on which track so that we would know exactly so it was making the most of your time in the studio 
It was a, that, it, it yeah. was not a compositional or or, or orchestrator's mm-hmm. guide. It was yeah. specifically for producing the record so that we knew who would be where on what day and how we could best utilize people's time to be as cost effective and as quick as possible. Okay. That's what it was. Okay. You're you're getting it done, man. What um so working with Sebastian, he I love this. I love the idea, the the collaboration, the long term evolution. Did he play a strong role in the first record? As strong a role I should say? I think he played an extraordinarily strong role mm-hmm. that was not evident until after the fact. Yeah. Can we play can we play something from the first record? Yeah, go for it. Play the last generation of love. Here it comes now. Those are the people looting children into hours. Those are the fingers that fall from the dead. Those are the people who hear what is said and ignore in order to ensure the wealthy of power. These are the people who are fighting now. These are the people who refuse to cower. These are the people helping people to empower the last generation. dithering or something that's bugging me it could be just the voices in my head but anyway we'll keep going there it is the last generation of love from the first record by the holy gasp 
we're sitting here with Benjamin Hackman. You don't like Benny, do you? No, no I like no. Benny. I don't like Ben. I don't, I'll be really specific with what I don't Get like. Get into it. Here's what I don't like. Thank you for asking. Yeah, Benny boy. What I don't like is if I'm like, hey, what's up? My name's Benjamin. And they go, nice to meet you, Ben. Or if I write an email and I'm like, sincerely, Benjamin. And they go, hey, Ben. Yeah. It's like, fuck right off. You don't know Fuck me. you. Yeah. It's one thing if we're like buds and you're like, hey, Benjamino, Benny baby pussycat, right? And it's like, I know you. And that's coming from a place yeah, of yeah. endearment. Thank you. Right? It's a totally different thing for you to take my name and just chop off two syllables. Yeah. Like, I don't know what people are doing with all that time they're saving, <laughs> but it's like, yeah. you know, go fucking plant a tree. Give me my name. I'll, um, I'll get ricked every now and again and I know the feeling man that is not you can't just rick me that is don't you can't you can't do that you can't rick a guy and you can't rick a man but also like why can't like you know back in the day mm-hmm. like if your name's Benji no one will call you Ben they'll call you Benj you're you've really done some mulling on this you gotta mull you gotta mull Rick oh the Muller himself, Kirk <laughs> Muller in the corner, mucking in the corner. So that first record, yeah, so you were saying Sebastian, that's a beautiful tune and, that, and a beautiful record. That, but Sebastian, you realized later what role he played or you were getting, you were starting like on, to on that, fr- like, <clears throat> so yeah. first Dave came and uh, he was doing auxiliary percussion with when I was just like a conga act yeah. I brought him on board so he was doing like shakers and stuff because you know shakers out a lot when you're just on congas and uh, you know but he's a drummer he's from the same world as me it's not like he can put anything more than drums to it mm-hmm. and then I met Seb mm-hmm. and uh, he started just coloring it you know that first record's a little bit more collaborative like James McLeaning and uh, Chris Weatherstone like mm-hmm. they all make their mark on it you know and the orchestration credits like they're shared for that record mm-hmm. those those cats added a lot mm-hmm. but there's something about Sebastian he just he can just fix everything he's like he's just the most competent individual I've ever met in my life mm-hmm. and uh mm. And we, we have no overlapping talents. This is like the, the the secret to our success. It's like everything I can do, he can't do, and everything he can do, I can't do. Well put. So yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah, a good yeah, puzzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it get, that's nice. I like to hear that. It gets it out there in a way that alone you're weaker, you know, and, oh, uh, yeah. and it's not happening. It's not happening with the same force. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful sound. I love that. I love you know, been freaking out lately over the over the idea of these kind of collaborations, like you guys kind of hitting it off, and all your background, all the path that you just walked me through, right? Of how you get to hitting it off with Sebastian and vice versa, right? With artistic co- collision, but if you. It took a lifetime on his end and a lifetime on your end to kind of. I always, I'm getting fascinated by that a little bit of like coming together, what that means, right? Yeah. And just like all the work that you make now moving forward is like it was very important to me. You know, it's like, yeah, that's kind of cool, right? Like the idea of, what are the odds of that shit? That's fucked up, right? Like it's. I know. I think about that stuff. It's really neat. It's really neat. 
especially like I'm quite interested in astrology. Yeah, yeah, Anyone yes. Who's ever met me for three seconds will learn. Yeah. And it's like you can just kind of look at the way two people's natal charts line up. Like some people just intersect left, right, and center. Like it's so obvious they were meant to just, uh, you know, cross paths. Huh. Other people, you look at their natal charts, they cross like three. You know, if you didn't like get pulled over you know, in Tibet in the rain, <laughs> you would have never met that person. You know what I mean? It's like some people you can just tell like any number of choices you could have made in life you still would have met that person huh. that's how i feel about what's a what's a natal chart like well, a, show me your, uh oh, let me see your belly button i'll show you oh i'm not I'm not doing no, that. no. A natal charts uh let me see your belly button nice fucking try man no one fucking no one's going in there man it's just a, a pile of belly button lint why don't you clean that shit out Anyway, next, keep going, keep going. That's a natal chart. You'd be no, able to no, see no, it right no. there. <laughs> oh, that's like a that's like an analog way of getting there. You know, uh, when you're born, yeah, you, like get, the sun, it, you get it. Yeah, the sun's in a spot. The moon's in a spot. Jupiter's in a spot. Uranus is in a spot. Don't make the joke; it's too easy. Okay. And uh, so you're not just looking at like the month you're born. You're looking at every. You're looking down to the minute you were born. And then oh, you get a geez. very specific natal chart that's just okay. yours. That okay. just gives you a map of exactly what the sky looked like when you popped out. This is the conversation I wanted to have with you, by the way. Just this specific fucking one. getting right into your head. Keep going. Keep talking. Well, that's all I got to say about astrology. I just I just destroyed that conversation. And what? I'll do it again. It was not beautiful. It was beautiful. So here we are here we here we are on your sofa anyway all that all that uranus the the spot on uranus here we are on your sofa it's beautiful man the idea that you and back to you and sebastian wait, you wait, wait, let me ask the important question here. okay you have the same breakfast every day or you switch it up i'm glad you bring that into this i i'll do a shreddy you do shreddies that's so cute yeah i'll do a a harvest crunch you're a cold cereal man cold cereal man one percent milk one percent zero percent zero percent fucking the, the the world is ending i'm not going Do you really that. do one percent i'll go milk. zero i'll go zero below zero do, are you lactose intolerant or something listen to this are you hearing this fucking dithers there's something weird on this fucking island it's the island man the do fucking you want to see if i turn that off no don't Leave it on the sound. I hope you're listening to the dear listener. I do apologize for all these little rivets and divots in our conversation. It is the island. And the sun's going down on the island. And I'm kind of scared, but I'm just keeping my shit together. Because Benjamin Hackman also kind of is scary. Or is it a fear or a apprehension? You want, let's talk about your fear. Let's go. Let's go. There. Keep going. So my, but my salad, my, my, my salad in the morning is either a shreddy. Your salad? <laughs> Oh, sorry, my, my cereal in the morning is that I was ready. Zero percent milk. A harvest crunch, if you really want to know. And if I'm feeling liberal on a, on a weekend and I'm buying the groceries, I'll go gram the, the what are they called? The golden grams. Golden grams. And I'll just be a, be a weirdo for, for the or week. nuts or anything? And I don't have time for that. I guess you got like a real job. Eh? I gotta go real early. We're up. We're up five forty-five here. Getting that those the the milk so on that what, cereal. What's your What's your big meal of the day? Are you a lunch man or are you a dinner man? Yeah, I'll pound a a giant bucket of pasta for lunch. Or my usual lunches are a frozen smooch sandwich. Uh, listen to the Scott Thompson episode. Uh, I think it's episode number fourteen of uh, Industry Tactics. We talk about how to make that smooch sandwich. I freeze twenty of them in a weekend. And then 
it'll defrost in the morning by the time it's lunchtime I've got a, a soggy naturally defrosted sandwich for lunch you, you read the newspaper you listen to the CBC when you're eating breakfast what's your what does that look like yeah a little bit of CBC radio one in the morning yeah. getting annoyed by Matt Galloway uh, yeah you're turn you're turning this on me now let's go back to you so very well so the so so you and Sebastian head it off yeah yeah and here we are so what's in store for you guys what what are what are, where are you going with with all of it you're you're working hard oh I god see it. we got projects and projects and oh projects my god go. yeah i mean we're gonna do our best to just really like yeah take this album as far as we can and we'd yep. like to we'd like to mount the full 26 like in about a year or so after the album has really kind of come out so i hope cool people plan. are looking cool forward to plan. that we've that already is... secured a bit of funding for that okay. you didn't hear wow. it from me wow but uh right yeah on. so it's on the, it's on the way it's on the way we're gonna wow. try and do that that's really exciting we've secured a choreographer already so okay. we're gonna have a whole okay. like song and dance number with it all it's gonna be like you know it's like it's gonna be a show it's gonna be like bugs bunny and tails you know what i mean it's, okay yeah. It's like, you ever seen the Marx Brothers and Night at the Opera? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be grand, you know? This is part of your inspiration? The Marx Brothers and yeah. Bugs Bunny? Yeah. My mom and dad. Bugs Bunny and Groucho Marx. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Like, that's the, that's the fucking, that's the tagline right there. I got, I got Harpo right here on my arm. Holy shit. Yeah. He's got him tattooed right on his fucking inner he left. He doesn't speak, the tattoo doesn't speak either. <sighs> so good well done man well done uh what else what else gets you going what else what else kind of what, what what other kind of influences really rocked your world coming into this uh, good ones those two for sure punk is a big one mm-hmm. yeah you're a real punker you know i don't like it anymore the only punk i can really kind of stand is dead yeah. kennedy's uh-huh interesting uh, interesting but dead kennedys were everything to me in high school like yes there was no more important group okay in high school it was like dead kennedys bad brains the cramps oh. and a little bit of black flag that was like the, that was like the that was your diet that was the diet yeah that was your salad in the morning well i like those early black not the early black flag records but like black flag records like my war mm. like he's so fucking grim and depressed and that really spoke to me in those days okay you know, like, I always wear a smile because anything but a smile would make me have to explain and they wouldn't understand anyways. Oh, yeah. You know, like, at 15, I was like, yeah, this guy fucking gets me. Henry Rollins is the man. But, like, Jello Bafra, like, we would yeah. listen to his, like... That shit hit me late, but when it did, Jesus Christ. Dead Kennedy's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dead Kennedy's, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's, it's very exciting to me. His voice still... Yeah, Fresh so Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. Oh, yeah, like that's good stuff. Fucking perfect record. Right on. It's fucking perfect. And it's Here we go. like the guitar yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, really there's interesting. Like, there's like really subtle, progressive uh -huh. uh, drum parts that are really unexpected for a band at that time. Mm -hmm. It's like, and it, it did, like, the biggest influence it had on me was like, we're punk, we're aggressive, we're subversive. Right. But we're super theatrical. Yeah. And it's like, because Joe Baffer studied acting, huh. right? That's what he went to university for. I don't okay. think he actually finished, but like he's got okay. an acting background. Okay. And it's like, you know, you watch old footage of, of Doug Kennedy's. Jello's like, yeah. it's, you know, you feel like you're watching, like, you feel like you're at the theater. And I like that. Beauty. Beauty. Keep like going. That. I love it. I love it. Um, well, you're, you're pretty, uh, so you're pretty, uh, 
what were you like in high school? Very depressed and very eccentric and uh, got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> big, big blue mohawk. Love that. Oh my God. Smelled like a, an anchovy's cunt. Oh my God. People, you know, I've got my, my, the smell, how I smelled in high school is like quite a reputation. What, were you just not washing? No, you can't wash when you're punk. It's against the law. Fuck. Think about it. Oh my God. But, you know, but I was already, I was writing a lot. I was writing plays. I was writing a lot of music. Yeah. And, uh, the end of high school was better than the beginning of high school, you know? When you're 15, you're oh, yeah. fucked. No, no, you know? I, I can really tell this. Yeah, yeah, but when you're like 17 or 18, you're like, you're already interesting by that point. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, Tom Waits. Okay. I discovered Tom Waits like grade 10 or something. And the two records I spent the most time with were uh, Rain Dogs, which I still regard as one of the finest records of all time. Mm-hmm. That record, too. have you spent time with it? Rain yeah, Dogs, too Tom much Waits? time. It got ruined on a German tour. Oh, yeah. It'll it'll come back though. I promise. If you burn out on Rain Dogs, yeah, I, I burnt out on it. I, I put a moratorium on it after that tour. That record is so long. Yeah, there's so many fucking tracks on that record. Yeah, and they're all quality. Anyways, yeah. Rain yes. Dogs was big yes. for me, and Black Rider. And again, it was like, yeah. how do you introduce theater into your music? Like Black Rider, really? Oh, yeah, that's, like, a, that's a masterpiece. It, it unlocked yeah. a lot of questions, like for me aesthetically. Uh-huh. And then later, like in the last five years, I discovered John Lurie and Lounge Lizards. Okay. And then I kind of figured how you fuse like punk with jazz. He also like unlocked a big thing for me. Mm. So it's like, that's really it. It's like Jellabaf for Tom Waits, John Lurie. Those are the guys that like unlocked all the aesthetic. Fishing with John. Yeah. That's great. That's really nice to hear. I like the unlocking business. Like we're like we're in a little video game here trying to figure well, it all should. out. And these days it's it's all yeah. Leonard Bernstein. It's, oh, yeah? it's West Side Story. Because I'm I'm listening to him, it's like Great. Okay, that's how like okay, that's what a flute and a vibraphone do when you put them together. That's what a violin and a trumpet do when you put them together. Like he's giving me all these orchestral ways of seeing the world. He's unlocking a lot for me. Cool. West Side Story is fucking magical, man. Yeah. Like the fusion yeah. of all the yeah. uh, all the Puerto Rican drumming with the... Yeah, the, right, the, right. Yeah. They're... Okay, okay. It's remarkable. It. I see Listen it. to the 1961 Leonard Bernstein conducted West Side Story recording. It's fucking perfect. And it's tight as shit. Right on. He's the man. It's nice to hear this. All of this. This is the conversation <laughs> I wanna I wanted to have. I, I do want to... I, I don't want to I, I want to talk a little bit and it might be difficult for you and I apologize if uh, and, and tell me if it's if it's uh, if I'm delving into the wrong uh, neighborhood here but I do want to talk about these kind of the uh, well getting too dark or morose on it like the thank you thank you now he's pouring the uh, the, the water chaser subtitles on the, le- the lesser coffee is what he's doing here but thank you for it uh the loss of your father, man, and and what role he 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 played on on your development. It sounds like it sounds to me that if you were rocking the blue hair, like in uh, in high school, uh, was he was he? Uh, and what, from what I've read of of you've you've written on Facebook uh, some really touching things about your father. I kind of feel uh, I, I, if I didn't ask you, I'd feel 
regretful of it. So yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, it's okay to ask. he seems like a very special guy in obviously in your life and your development. So I just want to and and how it plays into this new record. I I wanted to ask you. I don't know. Do you remember? Uh, you ever see that Woody Allen movie, Small Time Crooks? No, no. It's a lesser Woody Allen movie. Okay. But it's based on an old movie that's essentially the same oh. thing. Essentially, the premise is, and it's been a while, so hang in there. But uh, you know, these small time crooks open up a store next to a bank. The idea is they open up the store. It's a front, and then they dig under the store, and they dig into the vault in the bank. Mm-hmm. In the original, it's a suitcase store, and in the in the Woody Allen version, version it's, it's cookies. Anyways, what happens is business takes off like crazy, huh. right? So they're selling cookies like there's no tomorrow, yeah. and they don't need us. They don't need to rob the bank anymore. And so, like these like small time crooks, they get rich, right? And then you kind of get to see like what lower class people who dream of riches how they interpret riches and it's funny and it's like this romanticization of like highbrow art and high society and like my dad was kind of like that because he was like raised real poor son of holocaust survivors and uh, like made a whole bunch in the 80s and then like went up and went right back down so like he had like he's the kind of guy that'd be like I'll get a piano because it'll make me seem like cultured you know what I mean I'll get the complete works of like Shakespeare that's how you act cultured and then he would just like to the best of his ability he would try and learn the piano or try and study Shakespeare yeah but it was always like it was earnest but it was like funny too you know it's like there was a piece of him that like didn't fit like one year I was really young but one year he had like a really good year financially he bought a Cadillac and he had it for like a year then he was like this isn't me and he got rid of the Cadillac Uh uh you know what I mean trying things out he was just trying things out yeah but you know we would like just binge watch Marx Brothers movies and like Bugs Bunny and stuff like I was obsessed with old timey stuff and he was like stoked that I liked it because my other siblings didn't like it as much yeah how many other siblings I'm the youngest of four Uh and uh and he also like was obsessed with classical music uh-huh. so he would like he would play classical music while I was in the womb and like he was always he really revered it I don't think he like uh, there was something about it he was destined to try and understand I don't know if he ever got there but he he was determined to try and understand it and very 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 encouraging Love like it. he'd be like uh, like he came home one day and he was like Benjamin I heard these Trinidadian guys playing Steel Pan. I'd never seen... i never, like, heard Steel Pan before. It sounds so good to me. Mm. If I get you a Steel Pan, will you learn it? And I was like, I guess so. So he's like, all right, I'll, like, save up some money. We'll get you a Steel Pan. It was just, like, on a whim. And he was... Because he knew that if he got it, I'd figure it out. So, like... Beautiful. You know, so he... You know, he <laughs> found this, like, cheap used Steel Pan for me. And... And then he took me to, what was it? St. James, boy, I can't remember now. You probably know better than I do. St. Jamestown. Uh, they had like a steel, there was like a children's steel pan sure, band. Sure. And so they taught me a little bit and I played drums for them and I got my high school community service hours that way. Oh, come on. And then they gave me some charts great. and I just figured it all out, right? 
So, like, he would do stuff like that. You know, like, if it was for music, he, like, pushed it really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. He was really, really encouraging of me doing music. Or, like, one day I was, like, real angry, and I was, like, doing bad at school. And uh, my mom was like, we're we're cutting all your, like, extracurriculars until you, like, get your marks up. So, like, they dropped my drum lessons for, like, two weeks, and then my dad came into my room. He wasn't, like, a... He wasn't a talker. He wasn't like a, come here, son, let's talk it out. Like, mm-hmm. not at all. But he came and he was like, I was thinking about it. You're pretty angry. Drums are probably a good vehicle for you to express that anger. I'm going to sign you back up. We shouldn't have taken you out. You know, like, mm-hmm. he prioritized it. He really mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. So, like, I owe him a lot of, I owe a lot to him for my aesthetic sensibilities. And, and, and also, like, I do eccentric stuff. Like, sometimes yeah. I talk to my colleagues and they're like, you know, I hear, I wouldn't have thought to do that. It's cool that you thought to do that. And it's like, I think that bravery comes from my dad. Because mm-hmm. he'd be like, just do it. Make it weird. It's fine. You know? I love it. Love that line. Yeah, I mean... And that comes naturally. I think you and I have spoken about that. The make it weird, it's fine. Well, it's not weird to me. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it should feel like just like uh, like getting up and putting that 0% milk on the shreddies. You know, yeah. uh, let me say something about weird. Yeah. You know these BuzzFeed tests? They'll be like, how much of a cat are you? Or like, okay, sure. You know what I'm talking about. Sure. I guess so, yeah. They're stupid, but they were like, they were a fad a few years ago. Yeah. Anyways, there was a BuzzFeed test. It was like, how weird are you? Oh, here we go. And my ex-wife and I both took the test, like just as a, as a parlor game, right? Yeah. You know me. You'd say I'm pretty weird. Sure. I'd say you're a solid uh, BuzzFeed 9 out of 10. I ranked very low. And her, granted, she's pretty weird. Mm-hmm. And I mean that affectionately. Mm-hmm. But I think most people, they'd be like, Benjamin's weirder. But she actually ranked way higher on the weird test than me. And that revealed something very interesting to me. Weirdness is a perspective you have of yourself. It speaks to how alien you feel in the world. Whoa. Because I don't think I'm weird, but people think I'm fucking weird. Hmm. But, like, some of my good friends, they'll be like, you know, I'm surprised that you don't realize how weird what you just did was. I don't. It doesn't even occur to me. I dig that. I bought all of that. Yeah. I, like, do you think you're weird? Um, you don't think you're weird. You think you're friendly. Yeah, I don't even think that. I mean, <laughs> but I, I will tell you this. I think I have a, uh, my dear friend, shout out to Matt Daly. What's up, Matt? Has for years remarked on how I attract, like I'll sit in a room and the weirdest person will, will come to me and, and yeah. there we there we go, we're talking. I don't know what that is. It's, a, you know, I bring that towards, I don't think I'm weird, but I think I attract weird. I, tell, I know I, that. I, know I that. would say that that's not weird. That's open mm. and a lack of judgmentalism. Yeah. That's like a you be you. You be in this world exactly as you need to be mm. in this world. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had a therapist once. Mm-hmm. The, the, the one that the one passed? died, yeah. Dr. Dan Merker. May you rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would often say that there's two types of people in this world. Those who are weird and trying to be normal and those who are normal and trying to be weird. Fucking bringing it. We're cracking open the skull of this. <laughs> what The shaman of weird himself. Keep going. The normal. Or is he normal? 
I'm fucking confused. Well, you know what normal means? Normal is a statistics word. We forget that. Okay, but no- like normalize the board. Let's get into industry tactics. If you're normalizing the board, what are you doing? Let's I don't normalize that. Okay, you're in the industry. Well, yeah, you I play know. congos. You're bringing it down to zero. All right. Yeah. So it's statistical. Uh, normal means it's what the majority of people do. That's what normal means. So, like, you know, it's normal for Dalmatians to have spots. So if you got one that doesn't have spots, that's abnormal. Right. That's all it means. It's right. a statistics word. Right. But we've used it to like, we've used it for really crazy judgmental stigmatizing mm-hmm. purposes. Mm-hmm. But shit's weird. Everything's weird. Absolutely it is. The shit that you dealt with on this record, do you feel, you know, it's so heavy. I didn't know I was getting into that, you know? Does it feel heavy when you listen to it? It all comes out well. The explanation, I think, for me, just with all of those that you outlined earlier, you know, the like that one, two, three, four punch that you had to stomach, and knowing this is an interesting thing. Like, if I listen to your record with before watching that trailer, and knowing that that's what you were dealing with, I think it's a bit of a different listen. I think I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know because that's that's at the table for me to then listen to it and go, aha, uh-huh. right? That that's an interesting concept alone, right? Right? It's like, right? You want to know you, like, the story behind it is equally as interesting, but listening to it, you kind of have that lens. You're listening with that in mind, in the back of your mind, right? Which is an interest. It was just that was cool. But uh, do you feel? after having gone through it and lost equally one of those one of those punches having lost a therapist even more interesting to me now was it therapeutic did you get through all that shit i don't know if you ever will i'm with you brother but i mean there's no there's there's no no get there's no getting through it but i mean some are, was some it are harder than others yeah, you know? yeah. they're like you got to take them piece by piece uh-huh. to get divorced it's very painful in some ways, it's like the most, uh, it's the longest one to get over. Because that person's still alive. Mm-hmm. You gotta be like, oh, I might see. Much different than a death. It's a different type of grief, the whole thing. Yeah. It's an intangible death, right? Sure. And, and it's like heartbreaking. It's filled with rejection. It brings up all this shit around like your childhood. It, like, divorce sucks. Like, it really sucks. I'm really happy that. that marriage is over and I think it was a really beautiful marriage like mm-hmm. I really love my ex-wife very much and like mm-hmm. we're on really beautiful terms And but that marriage is just done but it sucks like in the mourning process of it to lose a father it's like everyone's in that club eventually you know what I mean so it's like and also my dad was sick for a long time like I prepped for it for a long time mm-hmm. very painful but like people's dads die and there's so many models of people's dads dying like from the moment you're born and you watch like Bambi like you could like you're always comprehending what it's like to lose a, a parent right like that kind of archetype mm-hmm. of like being an orphan or like having like it, it, that's in children's literature you're you're ready for it mm-hmm. uh, suicide my friend sucks that's just like that's terrifying and like it brings up existential crap and then it like unlocks a thing in your head where you're like oh you can actually just kill yourself that's like an option that's there so that's really disturbing Mm. uh it's scary it like more than painful it's scary because you just you go oh the horrors of the world are so real that this guy that i loved and knew for my entire life 
hanged himself. Mm. Like, it's just horrifying. Mm-hmm. But the therapist is awkward. And there's no, like... I found one therapist who had experienced his therapist dying and I really had to hunt to like find anyone who could remotely <laughs> relate <laughs> and also like I was with the guy for five years mm. so like he knows more like That's I've tough. never divulged so much information to one person right. so it's like I have these images like these poetic images of like what do my secrets and all of my demons like do to his spirit now that he's dead like what it's kind of like that you're right right he took all that where yeah, did all that all go all of my secrets to the grave with where him. did all that go and it's like that's a lot of content you know and it's like now i'm trying like i'm in i went through like four or five therapists trying to find a replacement i'm finally on a new guy now mm-hmm. it's like i just sit there it's like oh, why don't you fucking know about this, like, one thing that happened to me when I was nine? It's like organi- organizational uh, in, or institutional history or something like that. It's like all all that time, those five years, like, you can't make that up. You can't just take a chip and give it in, to a new guy or gal. Yeah, and, yeah I get like, it. And I'm sure a lot of people can, like, uh, you know, as you get older, there's less people that just know you. There's less people that like know your history and where you come from, or maybe they're not. Maybe there's not less, but like, you're not going to meet new people who are going to know that much about you. So it's like you take out your dad, you take yeah. out your wife, you take out your oldest friend, you take out your therapist. Then you got to go like siblings or something. Yeah, it's like that's yeah. yeah. Like who do you tell more to than like your wife and your therapist? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a strange phenomenon. It's like who am I now? Who really knows me now? Who can understand what I've gone through, but also who understands just what I am, who I am? That stuff is like ongoing. You really got to tackle that shit. Well, it and seems like you've uh, you've been. It's not an option. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like I do. You, you I get do. you get lazy with it, and like you you suffer far worse. Was it? Are you good? Are you get? You feeling good? You feeling better? Uh, uh, you know, I've got my on days and yeah. off days. I'm, I, I go up and down pretty fast. Yeah. But, you know, I've always been depressed, like, since I was a kid. So, that's just part of what i got to go through. Mm. Thanks for sharing, man, because I... I, uh, I don't know if I know depression, you know? Like, I think I do, but I don't know, like... When I hear about it in on other people and how it kind of does its thing, I I've really been kind of changing my uh, outlook on it and just sympathy for anyone who's dealing with it. You know, I I think we all have probably our our bouts with it, right? But when I see how it kind of festers on others or just affects other people, it's just I really have a newfound lately respect for it in, in, in or, and how others deal with it and cope, you know? It's, like, really... It's very real. Um, uh, and to see how others need to deal with it is, like... Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it, my word is respect for it or, or others dealing with it or a fear of it, you know? Like, I've just... Uh, <laughs> like, I don't fuck with it because I don't think I've... 
I've ever had to deal with it in a way that's like can't get a edit a bad uh, you know what I mean like uh, re- real like that like you know so you know it's I think it is very confusing to people and you know we kind of look at uh, depression and anxiety as these like layers of mental illness yeah all, all three of those words just right there are four of them yeah yeah but yeah. anxiety is uh, really really like you can see it it's tangible and like if you're alive like forget anxiety from like the psychiatric perspective like anxiety is an existential word just the fact of being existent causes anxiety like you gotta eat you gotta make sure a fucking wolf doesn't eat you like yeah. life is sufficiently uh, anxiety inducing good I wouldn't say life is uh, like uh, fundamentally depression inducing mm-hmm. I wouldn't and the thing with depression is we always have this strange desire to try and comprehend it as an emotion it's not really an emotion it's a it's a state of being mm-hmm. it functions really really differently like when you're stuck in bed you're fucking stuck in bed like I have to say like Benjamin you gotta like actually just get up like I have to have these real like self-parenting conversations or I'm not gonna get out of bed and it's like you don't if you don't catch it it just gets harder and harder and harder it's it's like it's so much easier to understand it poetically than it is to understand it like diagnostically Mm -hmm. and uh you know like a lot of people like to say like what like is something wrong okay which is like that's not a good question to ask a depressed person okay because it's like how much time have you got because the thing that's wrong is like is like a really holistic uh big thing you know wow like a better question's like what are you feeling or like what does it feel like today or like, can you think of anything I can do to support you? Like, these are great questions to ask a depressed person. What's wrong? Or like, cheer up. These things suck. I just, you know, the thing about it is that I can't, as a kind of workaholic, the thing that I can't grapple with, does it ever get in the way of you working? Like, does it ever get in the way of you? Or if you're engaged, like when you were making that recording, was there time for it? Did it, did it pull you out of the game? You know, uh, put a pin in that. I'm going to take a Is that a weird question? No, it's a great question, but I'm going to take a long way around to get to it. Yeah. But I'll answer it. Uh, I love the Paris Review interviews. Uh, When you're reading, like, uh, uh, they they do great interviews with authors. Mm -hmm. And they have for, like, decades and decades. And the question inevitably comes up, like, what's your writerly discipline? Writers are obsessed with discipline in a way that I think other artists yeah, other, yeah. in other yeah. artistic disciplines are less concerned with. Not unconcerned, but less concerned. Writers need their discipline because, you know... Right. I get and, up, I, I yeah, write for three and, hours. You call it the zitzfleisch, right? Okay. Literally, like, the fat on your ass. If you can't sit there and write your novel, you'll never finish your novel. Good. Like, I can write a song in the shower. I don't yeah. get a pen and paper, right? Sure. You just hum and then it sounds good. You know, I think Michael Jackson said he wrote a beat it while he was stuck in uh, traffic. You know what I mean? Anyways. But, and they all have different ways of of writing. And Isaac Bashevis Singer said, and this always stuck with me, he said, I wake up, I write. If I'm hungry, I eat breakfast. And then I write. If the phone rings, I answer it. And then I write. 
If the grandkids come, I play with them, then I write. If I don't feel like writing, I don't write, and then I write. When I'm tired, I sleep, and then I write. And it's like... I like how you're ending every... Well, that's what it is. Yeah. And that's how I am, right? It's like if I feel like writing or composing, I write or compose. If I don't feel like it, I don't. And I don't care. Like, I'll do it when I feel like it, or I won't. And it's totally fine. I don't have any fear of the muses abandoning me. Mm-hmm. I'm very aware when it's coming easily. And I know how to make use of that, like... Uh, Dionysian energy and how to like just get it down so that later when I'm feeling more like heady I can just go in and you know correct it and edit it like I so I'm not worried about that and also it's not hard for me to write when I'm depressed it's like the only thing I want to do yeah if you're like yeah in fact when I'm most creative and productive I tend to be the most depressed but like I don't keep a regular job you know what I mean it's like if I have money I eat if I don't have money I don't like I just fucking get around to it when I get around to it it bugs people but like like it bugs like partners and stuff but sure. it works for me I don't keep a day job mm-hmm. I don't you know so it's like I'm not thinking about it in terms of like productivity Yeah. but also like if I know I need to get something done mm-hmm. I just put Seb in the room with me and then it gets done because there's something about like being in his presence because he's really disciplined he's really like uh, he can just kind of sit down he's got this insulation he can get shit done it's the it's that it's that coming together though that it works yeah yeah because I'll just take yeah. a walk and write a song and then when he's on yeah. the island I'll be like it goes like this and he'll be like thanks and then he'll you know harmonize it and build a nice chord structure and make it mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. <laughs> that's cool really cool well, man, we cracked open the skull. Um, I'm very thrilled to have had you uh, open up here. Yeah, it was very, very nice to chat with you, Rich. What do you want to end with? Let's end with a tune from uh, the the uh, the first record. What's the name of the first record? The Last Generation of Love. I knew that. I knew that. Fucking title track that we just played earlier. Let's end on. Uh, let's scare the kids. Let's put on how I get down. Here it comes now, how I get down. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Love you. Love you.
Thank you, Benjamin Hackman. That was the tune, How I Get Down, from their first record, uh, The Last Generation of Love, and, and prepare to be dazzled, their new record. It's going to be amazing. Very excited for them. Go check them out on tour now. They're uh, at A Holy Gasp on Bandcamp and Twitter. And uh, very excited to share a stage with those guys on December 2nd at uh, the Smiling Buddha in Toronto. So we'll see you again soon on Industry Tactics. Let us know what you're thinking. If you want to send us a tweet and share the love, we'd love to hear from you. 